welcome back to the Pure Nintendo podcast. My name is Gemma, and with me this week, I have Pure Nintendo's own RPG king. I have Kirk. Welcome, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here. Glad to sit on the throne. <laughs> nice. Very good to have you back. Uh, just the two of us this week, so the dynamic duo of Gemma and Kirk. And this week, we are going to talk about the indie world showcase that nintendo dropped on to us last week as well as covering a few games we're playing we've got some dlc to talk about amiibo that's been announced so let's get to it thank you also in advance for listening to this episode and if you like what you hear please remember to like uh, us on youtube or subscribe to us or rate us on the audio platforms we really do appreciate it so let's kick things off with that indie world showcase and we mentioned last week when we talked about the zelda trailer that nintendo loves to just shadow drop these little things onto us and this one came with kind of a moment's notice i think it was another kind of 24 hour type of deal like hey tune in tomorrow for this little session that we've got 20 minutes worth of indie games to talk about those are the best kind though right i mean I when you get so. the announcement you don't want to say oh crap i gotta wait a week yeah exactly i think yeah. it's uh i think it's good yeah yeah and it gives us a little bit of time to kind of speculate and think about it ahead of time but then straight into it pretty much which is cool so uh yeah so we both checked it out there was i would say a pretty long list of titles discussed in a pretty short amount of time and i don't know if you noticed a theme uh it's hard to say there's been themes of you know there were a lot of farming sims or RPGs previously. I did notice a lot of cats in this one. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, had, I had the exact same thought. <laughs> Whether it's focusing on cats or they're just kind of walking around and appearing in places, there, there were cats everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very cat-focused, cat-centric, which is cool. In fact, the first one was, I think it was uh, Minico's Night Market, which featured Nico the Sun Cat, I think it was, and he was some sort of... Um, god that helped out with farming life and then was banished and so yeah that sounded like an interesting little adventure sim <laughs> but yeah i've got a list of all of the games here so i mean we don't have to go through all of them because there are quite a few but we'll go through some that stood out to us do you feel like you want to begin with one that you wanted to highlight yeah, I think the one that most struck me, and it's not because I thought it stood out from the rest of the games that were being mentioned, but because it reminded me of a previous game um, that, that I played, and that was a Paper Trail. Yeah, um, right. Mm -hmm. With the it the kind of like the, you're folding the the elements of the environment um, in order to create paths for for people to move on. And I've I've seen pretty you know it's like that whole Mad Magazine thing. And again, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> But at, at the end, in Mad Magazine, when you folded it and you took the picture, and by folding the the folding the paper together, then you got a, a different picture, and there was always a gag in it. But, yes, um, I, I, I like that kind of puzzle, that sort of environmental. What can you see, but what's hidden in plain sight? And you've got to uh, uh, slide all the proper pieces together in order to get things along. So it's, it's the kind of quiet puzzle game that, when I'm done with a bigger, heavy action game, it's it's a good way to relax. Mm, definitely. Yeah, that one looked really nice. And a lot of these games for me, and I think this is one of the great things about these indie kind of showcases, Nintendo does a great job supporting ind independent developers. There's so much creativity and there's so much room to just kind of do what you, whatever you want almost, you know, like these yeah. puzzle games, um, adventure games, sim games, doesn't matter what it is. But I love that they, like some of the developers spoke during the showcase, which I thought was really nice to kind of see them in person and you kind of get that passion from them and how long they've been working on games and things like that. And these are passion projects. And we spoke a lot about this last week, actually, um, with Barry from Premium, Premium Edition as well. So it's, yeah, I think it's really great that Nintendo supports these kind of developers. Um, and yeah, I think something like uh, Paper Trail, which comes out in August, I believe, so it's not too far away, does look pretty, <laughs> yeah, fun in between other bigger pieces. Like, I mean, August gives us plenty of time to recover from the likes of Tears of the Kingdom, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and, then we, <laughs> and then we can sort of slide into something like that. Uh, there were a few puzzle games. I think there was something called Quilts and Cats of Calico. And I yes. thought that, yeah, do you know about, I don't know what Calico is. But the game looked great. I thought it actually looked really fun. And again, it had cats in it. <laughs> Calico is a type of cat. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's like like there are only females. It's uh, we we've had calico. I have a calico now. Um, really? Well, Sophie does. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. It's a it's a diluted calico. So it's yeah, it's kind of like a white cat with some black, some brown, and and all females or mostly females or something. I'm not sure what the what what the deal is with them. But yeah, <laughs> right. I, Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked that looked kind of fun. With like, it was like another kind of. It seemed like a puzzly thing, but more of a multiplayer kind of game, like a tabletop game or something, where you place pieces of a, I don't know, a quilt onto a board, and you have buttons. And it looks like there's just cats roaming around everywhere as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, I didn't get a feel for what the actual gameplay is. Kind of like you're saying, like a kind of it, yeah, some some sort of puzzle type game, but the intricacies mm-hmm. of it. Um, I guess Nintendo didn't give them a lot of time to cover that, so I am curious yes. to see what that looks like. And yeah, and uh, Sophie, who loves cats, I'm sure is going to be all over that game. So. <laughs> this would be the the uh, showcase for her then. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we can bring her on to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. I think it had a cat customizer that one, and there were weekly challenges and things, which makes it sound like it's got some sort of legs for longevity, which is cool as well. So that was one that sort of stood out. I think another one that caught my eye was something called Animal Well, mm-hmm. which I, I I sort of think it's a bit like a platforming experience in a labyrinth. I don't I didn't catch what sort of animal you were, but it looked like you're in a well and there's all sorts of creatures you kind of interact with, you know, friends or foes. It looked really dark, you know, and pixelated, and I guess you kind of went through and uncovered more areas as you progressed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, you kind I of had that a, retro sort of uh, what sixteen bit, eight bit art mm, mm-hmm. vibe yeah. to it. So it. But it looks good. Yeah, the uh, kind of creepy, creepy. Yeah, look. a bit of a creepy vibe. <laughs> yeah, and the intro to that was quite amusing too. That developer stand was that the one with the developer standing in the lake? Yeah, and someone. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that was funny. Yeah, that looked interesting. Another one that did catch my eye was Plate Up, which is, a, I guess, a restaurant kind of sim. Uh, they called it a roguelike, I think, management sim. And I think because it's got randomly generated shifts, they referred to it as, <laughs> which is cool. And I do like I like these kind of restauranty games where you have to, you know, you've got a time limit, you've got a give the food to the customers on in a timely manner and obviously there's a lot of stress involved and having worked in hospitality i have no idea why i would actually enjoy a game version of this because it's well maybe the stress when you're not actually worried about getting yelled at for it is uh, easier to (laughs) deal with (laughs) yes exactly um but that one looks fun i can see myself playing that with my kids we've got um overcooked too so that's something we've had spent a lot of time with which is quite fun and this looks Similar but different in that I think in this one you actually can build your own kitchen. You can design it the way you want it. You can strategically place elements of the kitchen in areas that you might think are more useful to you, like an oven over here or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't know which part is randomly then, randomly generated. I suppose it must be the the customers and the orders and all that sort of thing comes in, you know, as a random uh, shift (laughs) that you have to deal with. Anyway, that sounds pretty fun. That's out in October. And the other thing I liked about the showcase was that all of these games do have pretty different release dates. Some were out at the end of the showcase, like out today, they said. Yeah. And then others were coming out, you know, we've got July, we've got fall, we've got um, October, and then summer next year. Some are just given a 2023 kind of slate so they don't have a sort of specific release date just yet. So it kind of paints a picture of what's to come and gives you the feeling that there's something coming across the next, you know, six or 12 months, which is really cool. I kind of uh, enjoyed that aspect as well. What else stood out to me? I think there was some interesting, oh, you know what? Speaking of puzzle games, a little to the left has some uh, DLC, I guess it was, new new puzzles. Yeah. (laughs) Have you played this one? I did not. That's another one, actually, that Sophie reviewed. So (laughs) you really should have brought her on for this. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, uh, (laughs) I I did watch her play a little bit of that. And, yeah, it it looked kind of cute, clever Mm -hmm. sort of puzzles, um, uh, again, presented in a way that are different from what we see most of the time. So Mm -hmm. I I like the originality of it. and yeah, it, it's great that they already have DLC coming, that the game was successful enough to warrant that. Uh, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I do. I have played it and it's, it is really fun and unique 
in, in that it's a puzzle game where you have to fit things into a drawer in specific mm-hmm. order or whatever. Uh, something just who would have thought, right? Like we do that at home all the time, like try to find stuff or whatever it is. I love it. I love that they've done this. And that one's out in June, that DLC, 25 new puzzles. There was a lot of DLC covered, like Shovel Knight, Pocket Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, a big one was Cult of the Lamb, which is a free update, I believe. And it seemed like it had a lot in it, it's like remix dungeons with new versions of the bosses, uh, three new modes, different buildings and followers and quests and things like that. Um, and I don't know if you've played that one or not. Have you played? No, Cult I did Lamb? not. No. Yeah, I reviewed that one last year and, and it. It's very unique and very fun, actually. Uh, very different sort of game, and I gave it a pretty good review. So interesting and very cool that they're still uh, giving that life. And I, I can understand why because I think it did pretty well at the time. So it's good to see that one continuing on. And, yeah, I th- actually I meant to say in the little to the left, the cupboards and drawers DLC, you know, speaking of cats, that – there's a little paw that comes out occasionally and grabs things from you. That, <laughs> you yeah, that? I, yeah, I do remember that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. So funny. It, it, it amuses me that in video games where cats are involved, it's almost always they're getting in the way of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs yes. are helpful in video games. Cats get in the way in video games. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, cats do their own thing, as you know, as a cat <laughs> owner. Oh, and yeah. I've had cats over the years. Um, they they dance their own beat, which is one thing we love about them. Um, there was another cat game, actually, something called Little Kitty Big City, which looked uh, – and that was sort of at the end in the quick. There were like five or six or seven kind of games that were shown. I think Paper Trail was one of those ones too. Yeah, um, yeah. Really quickly in the sort of last two minutes. And it looked like a third-person adventure with a cat walking across the streets and doing different things. I don't know. I want to know more about that one. <laughs> Do you know anything about this one? That one I don't know. I, I think no. I, I must have completely missed that. Yeah, it came straight after Paper Trail, so you're probably too excited okay. about Paper Trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, because after I started looking up that other game, and I still can't remember the name of that other game that involved the uh, sort of like the origami approach to gameplay, and it, it's mm. driving me insane mm-hmm. because I loved it. I, I got to <laughs> find that. I was, yeah. Yeah, and that one's 2024 kind of release window, so we don't know when that's out. And just one other one, other one I'll quickly mention, which is another quick, very short snippet in the in the final segments, which is called Brotato, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I Do, think so. Yeah, it just looked. It reminded me of that. Uh, what is it called? Is it is it Vampire Slayer or something? It's like a shooter where you just shooting in all directions with hordes of things coming at you. <laughs> yeah. I like shooters. So that one kind of looked fun and interesting. Um, yeah. 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 And there are quite a few of those too. Um, I'll be curious to see what they, I mean, visually uh, it certainly has mm. a visual look that most of them don't kind of like a more acute approach to it, but uh, uh, there are a lot of those kind of games out there. So I'll be curious to see how this one stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually there's another one I wanted to mention, which was called shadows over loathing. Do you remember this one? It's no. the stick stick figures in the oh, 1920s. Yes. Yeah, the black and white. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it looked a bit, uh, I guess, RPG-ish in that you're having kind of battles and maybe upgrading yourself. But it's stick figures, like stick drawings, stick people drawn in a black and white 1920s-esque world with mobsters and musicians. I think that they mentioned some of the characters you can be, something like a jazz agent or a cheese wizard or something random it's a silly looking rpg that could be quite fun if it's if it pulls off <laughs> yeah and i think that one's out now too to be honest i think it was uh, yes. oh no sorry yeah no oh, yeah I, yeah i think it is i'm looking up the looking it up now and it, yep mm. you can get that yeah digitally you can i think they are doing a physical release in the fall as well yep. for that one and the uh, last thing i wanted to ask you about is something called oxen free 2 Lost Signals, and it caught my eye for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a Netflix game studio, which I thought was interesting. So Netflix, I I guess we've heard that they're dabbling in games. I don't know if they've released anything previously on the Switch. Yeah, I I had the same thought because when they were talking about their games, I wasn't sure what that meant as Mm. like how they were being delivered. But it it looks like, yeah, it's just a game studio that's going to be releasing games for any system. And I'm assuming we'll probably be done to push a lot of their own shows 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, probably. But I don't believe Oxenfree is a show. No, not that I've heard of. Um, it is called Oxenfree 2. So yeah. assuming it's a sequel. I hadn't heard of it before this. Had you? I maybe. Um, it, it's not <laughs> one that I reviewed. Uh, I think I may have seen it come over the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I, I have not played it. Yeah, well, it looks, I mean, it looks quite interesting. It's very atmospheric looking, kind of bleak, I suppose. Um, you know, it's five, yeah, it's, I think it's set five years later after the original title. And mm-hmm. it looks as though you're kind of communicating with ghosts or something. There's some sort of supernatural element, portals are at work. Could be cool, could be interesting. I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, as I said, I didn't realize Netflix would be doing games for other sort of systems. I, I didn't really know what they'd be doing. I kind of thought, I don't know what they have in the US, but in Australia we have one little kind of trivia game on Netflix that we've been playing at home. I'm like, is this what Netflix game she uses? But no, it's obviously a lot more than that. So that'll be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. The original, I, I just pulled that up. It looks like it mm-hmm. came out in 2017, October okay. 6, 2017. And the publisher is a company called Night School. Right. So... Netflix didn't do the original. It looks like they're publishing the sequel and mm-hmm. maybe I'll need to dig back into the first one. Cause yeah, visually it, it was one of the more striking uh, presentations. I think visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it did the, stand out. It, a lot of atmospheric graphics and, and mm-hmm. some, some strong looking characters and big tough poses mm-hmm. um, <laughs> as they set out on their adventure, you know, look like they were ready to get things done. So yeah, exactly. And I think, and it's probably not a surprise coming from Netflix that it looks good visually, but also that the audio quality seemed really good. Like the voice work seemed quite yeah. strong, a strong element, which is cool. So it's almost like an interactive show in a way, like a supernatural show, which is cool. Awesome. So, I mean, overall, what did you think? Were you happy with the, the showcase? Were you expecting more or less or kind of just it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. This one for me, it is what it is. And that's not in any way, shape or form trying to disparage it. Um, it, it, the games for the most part weren't in my wheelhouse. Mm. So I, but when that happens, what I like to find out is which of these games that normally I wouldn't play is the one that's going to break, break through and end up being the one that I I'm totally into. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be following them all and checking them out, but nothing where I was like, man, this looks incredible. I can hardly wait. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I was thinking about it beforehand. You know, when something like a Tears of the Kingdom trailer drops, we all have very high expectations or kind of, uh, I guess, things we would really like to see in something like that. Or if it's a Nintendo Direct, we all want to know what's happening with Metroid or what's happening with, you know, this and that. When it's an indie Direct, it's kind of like we don't have any, you know, specific expectations. It is what it is in that I'm just happy to see a bunch of games from different genres and different developers um, and kind of look forward to seeing, yeah, how they pan out over the next six to 12 months. So, yeah, I, I love that they do it, as I said, and I think it's a really good, uh, you know, exercise for for them and for us and for developers and it's kind of win, win, win. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All yeah right, and I'm awesome. curious how they decide which developers they're going to work with, which games get mm, in. Um, yeah, I, that's I, true. I know nothing about the process, so I don't even want to speculate, but mm. – uh, I'd be curious because, you know, as we get a lot of press releases from a lot Mm -hmm. of indie developers about games that are coming up, and Mm -hmm. there were a lot that I would think would have fit in this great. Um, There are some indie games that weren't part of this that are that will be coming within the next three or four months that I think look fantastic. Mm -hmm. So why not them? Why were they not in there? I'm I'm just curious to see what the process is. Yeah, true. That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know the answer, though. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, let's dig around and maybe we can find out. (laughs) I'm sure someone would be happy to explain it to us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's move on to some other news. I think let's just jump ahead to um, the next round of DLC since we've been talking about kind of games coming out and DLC. uh, Something huge that I know you're very interested in is the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC. Would you like to give us an overview of what that entails and what, what, when it's out, et cetera? Yeah, it is coming out next week. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, again, much sooner than I would have expected. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled that it's coming. And this, of course, being the fourth wave of the DLC, it is a brand new story scenario called Future Redeemed. 
mm-hmm. um, which is brings a lot of new characters. It's going to bring plot elements and it brings characters, uh, especially from the first Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Shulk and Rex have both Ooh. grown up and it looks like they're buddies now. Um, Shulk is from the first game. Rex was the protagonist of the second. And we're going to see, um, we're going to get an adventure with those two in it and with a lot of new characters. And it looks like it's happening before the events of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, okay. So it's going to tie in some some story elements uh, that, that hopefully will answer some questions that I had. <laughs> now, the, the Xenoblade Chronicles games are very heavy in storytelling and a lot of it is confusing. Um, I don't know if that's done on purpose or I'm just so busy fighting that I'm not paying close enough attention. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, it looks like we're getting some of those characters back and uh, greatly looking forward to that. Although I do have to say that the moment they released that or announced that, I went back and it had been so long since I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that I had completely f- forgotten all of my strategies for the battle system <laughs> and just gave up. So I'm hoping that uh, when this comes out, that they start us all from scratch and all of the little intricacies and fine tuning that I've done over mm-hmm. the course of 140 hours or whatever I put into <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I don't mm. need any more because I don't want to have to relearn that whole system. I just yeah. want to start from scratch with something new. So we'll find out if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about that. Um, is Just in terms of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and 3, what's the difference in time in the story? Like how much time has passed between those two? Well, they kind of happen in different universes, um, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the whole thing. Like in Xenoblade Chronicles one and two, we find out eventually they were both happening kind of at the exact same time, mm-hmm. but in completely different universes. And then there's a well, I'm not there. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to do, deliver a spoiler, um, so okay. I will I will stop. Uh, but. <laughs> At the, at the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, they give us a little bit. Um, of course, there are, uh, uh, again, I, it, it, are we okay to give spoilers now? The game has been out a long time. It has How been out a while. How careful do I need to be on this? Well, as long as we um, say spoiler alert, I think it's yeah, okay. Spo- spoiler alert, skip ahead. Yeah. Um, but there are some <laughs> characters, I, I won't go too deep into it. There are some characters um, from previous games that do appear in Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and they play a very important role, and we find out about how um, the other universe is sort of all tied together. Uh, but it's kind of like, oh, this happened. Now we got to do this. And so it looks like this, the the DLC that's coming, the future redeemed is going to actually tell us that story instead of just be the incentive that pushes towards something else. Mm, okay, cool. I think it's amazing the amount of, I guess, time and effort they must put into developing these stories, you know, the game itself, as you said, you put in 140 hours, right? And mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot <laughs> to do. And then there's four waves of DLC that they also develop. So, yeah, it's huge. It's massive. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I wonder if when, like, when they develop the first one, do they have the ideas for two and three in mind? Or mm. is it just a, you know what, we've got to tie it together. What can we do? Let's look at the first story. <laughs> what can we pull over? How do we do it? How do we explain it? Hopefully we handle it better than a lot of the mistakes they made in the Star Wars movies. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. It's like, you know, the <laughs> Matrix where they had one Matrix movie and then they decided they wanted to make more. They didn't really have a plan for those. Same with, I think, the, the latest uh, Star Wars trilogy (laughs) yeah wasn't necessarily all thought out ahead of time as opposed to the original trilogy (laughs) i actually saw the force awakens last night in a in front of an orchestra which was actually pretty cool i have to say yeah that that, that would be pretty cool yeah yeah because the music's fantastic boy yeah yeah. so good yeah i took my my 12 year old son who's a a big star wars fan and he hadn't seen any star wars on the big screen so not only was on the big screen but also with Uh a live orchestra so welcome to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good anyway. way to get into it. Yes. Sorry, wow. a bit of a bit of a side note there. But I was yeah. it was just what happened to happen last night. It was very exciting. Um does this at all tie in with these new amiibo then? Because uh, are these two from Xenoblade three? Yes. There yes. well there are there are four on the way now. Um okay. Hyra and Mithra were mm-hmm. in Xenoblade Chronicles two. Um they are not, at least from what we've seen, going to be part of Future Redeemed. Mm, okay. Um, they mm-hmm. were in the game that Rex was in. Mm-hmm. However, they did announce um, 
to uh, uh, the one guy's name I can't even remember and <laughs> Mio. Um, but the two main characters from Xenoblade Chronicles 3 are also now getting Amiibo. They didn't announce when they're coming, mm-hmm. uh, but but they they will be coming. So Cool. Yeah, we'll end up with four total from, from this. Oh, and Shulk is already available. Mm-hmm. So that's five now, um, Xenoblade Chronicles Amiibo that we'll be able to have. Very cool. Are you planning and to? And you have your you have your pre order in already. <laughs> I do. I do. Yes, for Pyra and Mithra. Yes, I do. Very yeah. excited. I know uh, we were talking on Twitter about it, and uh, pre orders opened in Australia at least uh, earlier for some reason. So I jumped on board and got it straight away. I'm like, I'm just going to get it. I'm not going to not get it. So I might as well get it now while it's yeah. front of mind. <laughs> so. well, as soon as I can, I'll do too. In fact, right before we got on here, I, I hopped onto the various sources I have for these things to see what's there. Mm-hmm. And they're now listed at Best Buy and it's listed at GameStop, um, but you cannot mm-hmm. pre-order them. Yet. Oh, so okay. We're, we're I meant to ask because I saw something about it being at GameStop, but I didn't know if it was a pre-order. It was just, yeah, okay. It's just listed. Fair enough. Well, yeah. yes, I hope you do get get those. I'm sure you will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if I have to, I'll order them from Japan. I have all of the Fire Emblem Amiibo. In fact, the only Amiibo I get are Xenoblade Chronicles and Fire Emblem. <laughs> um, and a lot of the Fire Emblem ones I did order from uh, various Japanese places because mm-hmm. it ends up being cheaper than getting them from scalpers on eBay. So, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm still missing a few Fire Emblem um, Amiibo. So, yeah, that I missed out in the last round, which is uh, a bit sad. And it seems like this year is a, a bigger year for Amiibo. I don't remember getting so many last year, but this year it's like. Yeah, it looked know. like it was dying off. And mm. now they're they're really pushing it again and finding ways to make them relevant to uh, make sure that mm. uh, you can use them in the games. Um, yeah, which is awesome. You know, we've got yeah, lots of Zelda uh, Zelda related Amiibo coming back out, like re-releasing for Tears of the Kingdom as well as a new one. Um, sorry, what were you going to say about the connectivity? Oh, uh yeah, like I was trying to, I was thinking of a Fire Emblem Engage. Um, mm-hmm. You can use the amiibo there to get various um, items, and uh, you got special items if you used actual Fire Emblem amiibo. So mm. um, I like that they do that. I would like it more if, uh, you know, they. I liked it when they give you things like special weapons or weapon mm-hmm. skins, um, outfits and stuff. That, that kind of thing to me is more fun than just the occasional, like, uh, uh, consumable item or something mm. like that. But either way, <laughs> it's, it's good to have them involved for something other than yeah. say a uh, smash brothers, of course, where they're very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would like to see more weapons <laughs> like that. <laughs> That'd be very cool. Um, so, I mean, during the week, uh, one of the big games that came out was advance wars, which speaking of fire emblem intelligence systems, who develop Fire Emblem also develop yeah. the Advance War series, which I think is cool. And also when you think about it, kind of obvious because they're both tactical kind of strategic turn-based kind of games, albeit different uh, <laughs> kind of look and feel, I suppose. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, before we talk about Advance Wars, are you, have you played any Advance Wars over the years? What's your history with this series? I have never played an Advance Wars game, and I remember when I first started getting into Fire Emblem, and a bunch mm-hmm. of people were saying, "Well, this is just Advanced Wars." Like when, <laughs> uh, and but I, I never played it, and I think it's because, uh, like you said, it, it's a completely different look. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I liked about Fire Emblem were were, were the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stories and, and it advanced wars, although the gameplay is pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was like tanks and airplanes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. At least it seemed to be. Um, so I, I was more about the actual characters behind the pieces that you're putting on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, but I, I should, uh, and, and it's funny because the further we got from the last advanced wars games, the less I, I saw that after mm-hmm. a while, every game that looked like Fire Emblem was like, well, this is a Fire Emblem game or style game. People <laughs> yes. completely dropped Advanced Wars. So true, um, true. I'm thrilled for the Advanced Wars fans, people who were into that, to finally be able to get to uh, play something like that again. And it looks like it's getting very good reviews. Mm, yes. Uh, totally agree with all of that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think which one I got into first. I think I played Advanced Wars first. So this release is Advanced Wars 1 and 2. Um, the series has been around since 1988 and originally it was only Japan, which I was, I think Fire Emblem was the same, right? The original Fire Emblem was Japan yep. only. Yeah. Yep. So very, very similar. Uh, obviously intelligence systems released both series. 
side note, Intelligent Systems does a lot of games. Like, I didn't realize they do the WarioWare series. I don't think I knew that either. No, and they do Paper Mario as well, which is yes, a that, great that series. Mm. And that was that uh, the 3DS game that they did that was kind of like um, Worms. It was that kind of game. Um, what was it called? It was a steam steampunk kind of game. I wish I could have steam heist or something like that. Oh, yeah. Was that there oh, as okay. well? Wow. I did not know that. That's a really good game. Yeah. So intelligence, intelligence systems, I think, do a really, really great job. And obviously, we've talked about Fire Emblem before. We're both big fans, particularly you, because you've played more of them than I have. Um, Advance Wars, yeah. So they've got, I think, 13 games in total, including a couple of spin off ish or remake re releases. And this one that's just come out on the Switch is a re-release, I suppose you could say. It's a combination. It's Vance Wars 1 and 2, which were released in 2001 and 2003 originally for mm-hmm. the Game Boy Game Boy Advance, which is why they call it Vance Wars. The original series I think was called Famicom Wars, which is cool because that was the NES in Japan. was called the Famicom sure. and it was Famicom Wars. So bit of history there. Um, I have played both of these previously. My friend lent me... Uh, his copy of Advance Wars, the GBA game, and then I think I ended up getting Advance Wars 2 myself. And I've, I think there's been a couple. There was, uh, was it Jewel Strike, I think, was on the DS. And there's been a, a bit of a gap. I mean, there was uh, Battalion Wars, I think, on the uh, GameCube or Wii, not sure. There was kind of a spin off type of thing. And I've been clamoring for Advance Wars, for a new Advance Wars, for a few years now. I've been like, where, like, every time there's a Nintendo Direct, <laughs> I'm not the person who says, where's Metroid? I'm the person who says, where's Advance Wars? <laughs> <laughs> because it's just missed out. So I am very happy to see it back, even though it is, you know, it's a it's kind of a port or I guess it's a remastering of some some Game Boy Advance games. And they look great. I've, so I've picked up the game. I've been playing it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it is a, yeah, turn-based. So it's exactly like, if you know how to play Fire Emblem, you, you'll know exactly how to play Advance Wars. And there right. are some, like like you said, you're, you're kind of moving around tanks and things on a little board. And I've always said when I've described it to people, like to friends, it's kind of like chess with tanks like <laughs> because you are taking turns, right? You have your turn, even though it's you, you can move all your pieces, not just one piece at a time. But it's like you've got, you know, your side and the other side and your, your goal is to either take out, I suppose, a king, which, <clears throat> excuse me, in advanced wars means you take over their headquarters or you eliminate all the all the competitors. Like you have to eliminate all the tanks, all the battalion, or sorry, all the infantry, whatever is on the on the board or on the scene at the time. So there's a lot of strategy involved because you know, just like in Fire Emblem, you can move for a certain number of spaces depending on your uh, character. Like in Fire Emblem, if you're on a horse, you can move a lot further than if you're, you know, just a, a person walking. And in this, if you're a tank, you can go further than you can if you're a, a little infantry troop. So that and but. As you approach, obviously, there's a percentage of how much damage you could do versus how much damage you can take and whether other mm-hmm. people can then reach you. So it's very, yeah, I love the strategy element. It's it's also why I love Fire Emblem because it is very strategic. And if you really think about your moves and plan ahead and, you know, obviously not lose all your <laughs> pieces or your whatever, I think in advance was, you know, in Fire Emblem, I don't like to lose people, right? I don't think anyone does. <laughs> In Advance Wars, it's not as bad to lose a tank because it's just a tank. You're like, oh, I guess I can sacrifice this tank because then, you know, the enemy will be close enough that my artillery can kind of shoot and, you know, take out whatever. (laughs) So it feels a little less like that. But I still try not to lose my my little people. And the, the people element that you've mentioned, I guess, comes into play with what they call the commanding officers or the COs. So each, yeah. And they have their little spiel and it's very lighthearted and it's, it is anime-esque in, in a very, you know, colorful way, as opposed to Fire Emblem. It's a bit darker. It's a bit more mature. This is more, yeah, lighter, colorful. You've got your kind of the different players egging on each other. Like the bad guys would be like, Oh, how do, how could you do that to me? I I didn't see that coming or I'll get you next time type of thing. Uh, and the good guys like, yeah, we did it. They're like very enthusiastic. Um, and they kind of, there's a bit of rapport between them and you grow, your CEOs kind of grow in terms of skill and the relationships do have some uh, growth as well, which I really like. So there is a bit of that, but it's definitely not for, to the extent of Fire Emblem, which is obviously all about relationship building as well. 
So I think this one, yeah, I'm kind of only early into it, but I'm very much enjoying it. As I said, I have played it before, but there's not, there's just something really fun about working out where your tanks can go, trying to lose as few as possible or take over as many cities as possible uh, and push the bad guys back. And there's kind of superpowers. You can, your CEO has like a superpower that you can unwheel, unleash, you know, after a certain number of moves, um, which gives you some sort of stats for one day because it's kind of, it's done in days, like day one you move and then the enemy moves, day two you move, the enemy moves back and forth and such. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you should give it a go. Kirk? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I will. I, I, I think I will, um, especially once uh, I'm, I'm done with the last round of DLC for Fire Emblem Engage, then mm. it'll be a bit most likely before we get another one. So, yeah, when mm-hmm. I'm anchoring for that kind of gameplay, um, yeah, yeah. I, I will do that. I would be interested in your thoughts based yep. on what you've just said that it is, yeah, you know, gameplay-wise very similar, story-wise very different. So, it would be very interesting to hear your thoughts as a, you know, Fire Emblem kind of connoisseur. Um, yeah, what, and someone yeah. who did it backwards because I think a lot of people, you know, especially around my age, started with Advance Wars and then would have moved on to Fire Emblem. So mm, I'm doing it the, mm-hmm. the flip of that. So yeah, and that's what I did. Yeah, I sort of started with Advance Wars and then moved to Fire Emblem. I don't even remember how I got into Fire Emblem, but I did somehow. So whereas you remember very distinctly, which is cool. So yeah, <laughs> it shaped my life. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yes, yeah, so that's out now. Um, we, I, I don't even know. I assume we'll, we'll be reviewing it. I don't know who's reviewing it, but someone will be reviewing it. So watch for our thoughts. I think it's, uh, yeah, like you said, it's getting good reviews. So yeah, definitely a fun time. And real quickly, out of um, respect to intelligent systems, the, mm-hmm. the game that I, I was talking about was not Steam Heist. It's called Codename Steam. Oh, right. Yes. And speaking of Amiibo real quickly, going back to Mm -hmm. that, that Mm -hmm. game, if you had certain Fire Emblem Amiibo and scanned it into it, it put the Fire Emblem character into the game as Mm. as kind of a ghost. So that is probably (laughs) one of my all-time favorite methods uh, or uh, uses of Amiibo because characters who aren't even part of the game, they were all based on like historical figures mm-hmm. or literary characters were the people uh, that were doing the fighting, but you could bring in certain fire emblem characters and put them if, if you scanned in the amiibo. So that was fantastic. Is this for engage fire emblem engage? Which game is no, this for? Uh, this was, well, it was a separate game um, and it was for the 3ds. Oh, okay. It wasn't cool. actually, yeah, it wasn't a Fire Emblem game at all. It, it didn't involve oh, you're talking about, just another game uh, from Intelligent Systems. Oh, uh, sorry. I, yeah, okay. Sorry, I didn't connect those two thoughts. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. I love that, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just hang around in the background while you play as oh, ghosts? No, you can use them. You can move yeah. them around. It's just they, they weren't like part of the story. So I think right. that's why they call them ghost characters. You can okay. use them in the, in the fights, but they would never talk or, you know, be part of the between mm-hmm. Between battles and scenes. <laughs> what was that game called again? Codename Steam. Codename Steam. I've definitely heard of it. I don't think I've played it though. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people did. I believe it's one of those games that came and went um, hmm. and, and sort of disappeared. But I do have it. It's one that I bought and held on to. So. Well, that's good. I was about to say because the, the eShop has closed. So yeah. <laughs> if you don't have it, uh, then that's a bit sad because I, I doubt that was a physical release. Is that yeah, right? it was. Yep, it was as well. Okay, yep. so there's potential to buy it expensively off eBay if you yeah, it. <laughs> you may still be able to find it. Yeah, cool. Oh, thank you for that. That's that brings that to uh, that conversation back around, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, let's talk about some other games we're playing this week. So, Advance Wars was the the big one that I've been playing. What have you been? And I, I will talk about another game as well. Um, but you you have a turn. What's your what's your game of the of the week? I suppose. What are you playing at the moment? Well, aside from wrapping up the Fire Emblem Engage um, DLC, which I'm still playing through and trying mm-hmm. to get through the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC, mm-hmm. uh, I have a new game that was just released. I've taken the review for it called Tin Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have been comparing the gameplay in this to the game Lemmings, mm. um, which goes way back Um to my old uh, Macintosh days, I believe I played it there. <laughs> but it's 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 kind of like it's got this Victorian vibe to it that's very much like uh, if you've ever read, uh, I think it was Hans Christian Andersen, the 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 story, uh, the Steadfast Tin Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like fits visually with every single picture book I've ever seen of that story. 
Cool. Um, but with, what it basically involves is, aside from this big story that ties it all together, this sort of like, a, you know, tender, kind of like heart-wrenching story that's going on in the background. But the gameplay is you have a box and you open it up and these 10 soldiers come out and they'll follow a straight path. And you <laughs> need to manipulate the environment around them in order to get them to their goal. Cool. Um, and this involves all kinds of things from just like placing blocks um, making sure that there are ramps in the right spot. Uh, sometimes they'll fall off tables and hit drums and bounce over to the <laughs> next thing that they need to go to. But you, you know, you're manipulating time. You're finding out what went wrong. You're rewinding. You're putting things in place. So it's it's this very interactive, constantly hands on approach to making sure that these these ten soldiers get to their destination. Cool. That does sound a bit like Lemmings. It also sounds yeah. a little bit like. Um, Mario versus Donkey versus Kong. Versus Donkey Kong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, and the funny thing is, I had completely forgotten about that game. I played it um, mm-hmm. and, and loved it, but it just went completely off my radar until I started playing this. I'm like, ah, mm. yeah, now I got to see if uh, I can hop onto the eShop and get more. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, that definitely sounds like it. And I that is in my mind at the moment because I just wrote uh, an article for the next edition and we're writing about the eShop and I included that game, Mario uh, versus Donkey Kong, because it's one of the missing ones that I that I think people should check out if they can or that I hope that will, would be ported elsewhere or receive a sequel of some sort because it yeah. was really, really good. And yeah, I had it, was, it yeah. was surprising how good that game was, I think. Yeah. Uh, it it yeah. really caught me off guard. Mm, same. <laughs> same. Yeah, well, this one sounds good. I like the sound of this. And in, in lieu of uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, this sounds like something that could fill that kind of void. <laughs> yep. It, it does have a couple problems, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll save those for the review, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not quite as tight, I'll say, as Mario versus Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. But when you're using the environment, it's very like open and free and how you can do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, uh, just it, it could be a personal thing, but I don't like that as much. I, I, mm-hmm. I like to think that there's one way to solve this. And you got to do it right as opposed to, well, you can put this here and this here and eventually it's going to work some way. Um, And it's (laughs) not quite that bad. You know, you've obviously got to know what you're doing, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's not not as much uh, uh, precision in the puzzle solving as I as I. Yeah, that makes sense. And going back to Lemmings, because I never really played Lemmings, would that be the case with that game? Was that was there a one solution kind of deal or was it more like just don't let the Lemmings die? (laughs) If my memory is correct, then yes. Um, there there may have been a couple ways. It's been so long since I played mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, I, I seem to recall that uh, if there wasn't just one way, then there may have been a couple, but it wasn't a just drop things where you mm-hmm. can until you manage to get them to the right spot. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's time for Lemmings to make a comeback as well. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm surprised it hasn't. Maybe it has yeah. in some way and they just missed maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's just not in our sphere <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Cool. That sounds really interesting. I look forward to reading your review on that one. Um, any other games that you're playing at the moment? Yeah. Just like mainly I'm, I'm preparing everything because especially once the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC drops, then that's going to be my focus mm. until, mm-hmm. um, of course, from any, any items that I'm reviewing, I, I, mm-hmm. I got to leave room for those too. But I, I want to get that re- wrapped up as, as all of us have said numerous times <laughs> before um, the new Legend of Zelda game drops. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely front of mind <laughs> for a lot of us. Can I ask you actually just a bit of a side note uh, mm-hmm. with the Tears of the Kingdom, how are you purchasing that are you going to download it are you going to get a kind of special edition or just the standard what's your plan i did not go special edition um Mm -hmm. i got a standard uh it's pre-ordered at best buy um Mm -hmm. so i could pick it up and if best buy wants to be a sponsor now you're you're welcome to do it i think i mentioned them a couple times (laughs) yeah thank you (laughs) um but yeah i have the day off work so best buy will open at 10 i will be there at around 10 15 pick it up Uh bring it back and then just play it because once my son gets home then he's going to want the switch until it's bedtime so i've I've (laughs) got to get as far as i can before he gets home from school and takes over awesome that's going to be a good conversation for us after that comes out i don't know what to do i haven't pre-ordered it which seems silly but i just don't know which one to get and it's you know the special edition looks so cool but it's also really expensive and i'm thinking i'm actually really seriously considering getting the pro controller there's the themed controller 
it is a good looking controller. It looks really cool. And I think I've mentioned previously, we have two pro controllers at the moment. There are three of us, you know, myself, and my two kids. Mm-hmm. One of us has to miss out. Usually it's my youngest. He doesn't seem to care. He's fine with the Joy-Cons, but this could be a good excuse for me to upgrade mine, get a oh, new yeah. one, a fancy new one with a Tears of the Kingdom theme. And then Always <laughs> use your children to justify expenses that don't really make a lot of sense logically. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it, and it's, it's, it's quality parenting. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Well, now that I've got the okay from you, Kirk, I think I should go ahead and do that. So, <laughs> so I have pre-ordered the, the Amiibo and yeah, very seriously considering pre-ordering the controller. And then I'll probably just get the standard game because I don't think I can justify a, stand, a special edition and a controller because yeah. a controller is like, I don't know what it is US. It's a hundred and I think it's like 109 Australian. They're pretty expensive, these things, but it will last years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to get a lot of use out of it, so it's not like Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. (laughs) Cool. Well, the other – I'm playing two little games as well that I could mention briefly. Uh, One is called Paparazzi, which is like a – we were speaking before about cats and dogs. This is dogs, and they are super friendly and helpful. They're not – antagonists at all (laughs) i'm trying to (laughs) yeah it's the cutest game i think i've ever seen it's like you are a photographer your job is to take photos of dogs so it's paparazzi but they call it paparazzi because puppies paparazzi so you're um you you have these missions you have to go around take photos of dogs doing things like holding a stick or in front of a lighthouse or (laughs) whatever it is certain breeds there's just uh, when I jumped into this game, the thing I noticed straight off is that there are just dogs everywhere. Like, it's just, if you're a dog lover, this is going to be the game for you. It's very cartoony and cute. It's not super realistic, although you can tell if it's a Dalmatian, it looks like a Dalmatian, you know. Uh, if it's a Chihuahua, it looks like a Chihuahua. I don't know how many breeds there are. I haven't gone into that level of detail. There's there's a bunch, though, and there seems to be new ones that come all the time. Um, and you unlock or you purchase, I guess, uh, upgrades for your uh, your camera. <laughs> couldn't think of the word for camera for a second there you upgrade your camera you get like fisheye lenses and things you can do like black and white photos it's pretty cool like it's definitely different i've never played anything quite like this maybe similar to pokemon snap i guess <laughs> where you're taking photos of pokemon but this is about dogs anyway it's really really cute yeah uh, it the- sounds like it <laughs> yeah. uh such an adorable thing just and it just it's so silly because the dogs are just like running around cra- like crazy things and I suppose if you've ever been to a dog park, they do run around like crazy things and they just interact with each other in all sorts of weird ways. And here they just, they kind of don't run. They kind of like hop. It's a little, cl- uh, I'm not going to use the word clunky because it, it's deliberately done, I think, but it's, the animation is, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. They kind of bounce around like their legs don't move. It's It just adds to the cuteness anyway. Um are they yeah. doing like dog kind of things as they go around or are they giving them well, more like a anthropomorphic sort of human characteristics? No, they're, do- they're dogs. So they're on four legs and I don't know what your character is. You can't really see yourself. It's sort of a first person thing. You can kind of see a hand, which is like a weird purple head, I think, or a blue head. It's like, you're not, maybe you're not human either, but you're standing on two legs, but the dogs are dogs. They look like dogs. They act like dogs. They chase balls. Okay. They chase sticks. They retrieve sticks for you. They'll pose The good thing is they do pose pretty well. Like they'll stop and stand still and you can take a photo. So it seems like it's a pretty easy game for kids to play, for example. You don't need to stress about, oh, I've got to get this certain dog. It's really hard to find. They just kind of stand there for a few seconds and you can like snap them. (laughs) It's like, And you can keep your photos. I think you have film so it runs out eventually, but you can save them to your favorites. You can keep them elsewhere in a little album kind of thing. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I don't know, it's such a random idea, but it's very cute. Um, the other one I'm playing is starkly different to that, which is called Gripper. Uh, this is like a sci-fi racing adventure kind of game. It's, uh, what did I say? It's an arcade action racer. So I'm reviewing this one and I was playing this one over the weekend or yesterday and it's, ah, it's really hard to describe. So it, you're riding a motorcycle. It seems like an Akira kind of environment. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I saw the visuals when, mm. when that review mm-hmm. came through. Yeah. 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 And it's, 
Uh, yeah, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> it's a very mixed bag. I thought it would be really good based on the trailer. Uh, it does have good elements to it. It's really hard. Like it's super, super hard, um, which can be fine if that's the idea behind it. But this one is like straight into the difficulty. There's two, I guess one of the things I like about it is there are two distinct gameplay styles. One is you're riding your bike through these tunnels. Uh, I want to say a bit like Mario Kart in that it's 360, like the tunnels kind of go all the way around and you can go on the ceiling. Uh, it follows you though. So you, you kind of stay in that third person perspective. Um, unlike Mario Kart, it's not cute or you're not really racing. You're just trying to avoid obstacles and it's really, it's fun. This part is fun. The, the kind of racing through these tunnels part is fun, if not frustrating because you can't possibly make it through in one go. Like it's impossible. You just have to kind of memorize where all these little things are that just pop out at you randomly. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I say randomly, but it seems random the first time you play it. Obviously, not obviously, but it, you can memorize it because it does at the same time each run. So when you die, you go back to the beginning, you do it again. You can remember, oh, there's a spike there or there's a wall there or there's a gap there. Or here I have to press a button to make this gate open or whatever it is. So you kind of end up just remembering the path and what you have to do to make it through. <laughs> so it took me maybe like 20 or 30 goes to get through like even the first level. So I would say it borders on frustrating if you're not going to, if you're not one to keep trying something until you get it, definitely not going to like this. <laughs> but if you're a stickler for, uh, for death and, and, and just getting things right, you said this before, kind of with the, the lemmings style or not lemmings, but the tin heart style versus the, um, Mario versus Donkey Kong style. There's a, there's kind of only one way you can get through. <laughs> you just have to nail it. Yeah. The second style of gameplay is like a top-down kind of a boss fight arena kind of thing where you're riding around on your bike still, but now you're looking down on the scene and you have to use your different bike elements like a grappling hook to defeat the boss. And this is uh, equally frustrating and quite difficult. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting title. I love that they have tried something pretty different and combined two pretty different styles in the one game. I just don't love that it's really, really hard and will put off a lot of people. I think maybe some difficulty settings could have helped or maybe some tutorials or a simpler kind of gradient into the difficulty might have been nice as well. But it is what it is. My review, I've kind of finished writing it, so that will be up during the week, I think. Uh, and that's kind of the main games I'm playing this week. So what's on the horizon yeah, I- for us, Kirk? Well, real quick thought on on the game mm-hmm. like that too, because mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. curious to get your opinion on this. Sure. Um, when I'm playing a game where it's it is that difficult, mm-hmm. um, those are some of the most difficult reviews for me to write mm. because it's hard for me to determine a if I'm just really bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that difficult. I just can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or there are a lot of games where they purposely make them exceptionally difficult because they are catering towards a very specific kind of game player. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there are people out there who want that difficulty. Mm-hmm. So then I, I'm, you know, aside from my inability to play it, then I have to figure out, okay, if, if I was good at this, then is it still that difficult or is, is this unfair? Is it, you know, pushing all the right buttons to like, so once you're able to overcome it, you get it. And then you get that rush of, yeah, I finally beat it, which is, I I think the main appeal of those games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me to toe the line on that when, (laughs) when when I'm writing that review, or I should say a threaded. So I'm curious to see how you handle it in, in that regard. Yeah, it is hard because I can appreciate a tough game. I can appreciate something that's meant to be difficult. And there are plenty of platformers that fit that bill. Um, and I've re- reviewed some recently that definitely were were purposely difficult, but the challenge was fun because you knew you could get through it and I wanted to get through it. And the racing sections, <clears throat> excuse me, in Gripper, I would say fall into that category. They're really tough but satisfying to complete. And because it is more or less based on memory, I, I think what makes this one fail a little bit for me is that it doesn't, try to and it's not supposed to hold your hand exactly because it's meant to be hard but it's it could do a better job of 
being clear about what you're meant to do because there aren't a whole lot of instructions. You know, for example, with the racing style of gameplay, you know, you have to press uh, at certain points there's like a gate in front of you and you have to press ZL or ZR to either slide under or or uh, open the gate, shoot it, I guess. You have a gun, I suppose. And it doesn't tell you that you need to time it with a circle. It just says press it. So I press it and it doesn't work. And that happened over and over again. And then I realized the circle is actually closing and it wants me to press it when the circle reaches the middle. Uh-huh. And it's like, I didn't know that. And it took me like 10 goes to work that out. And I kept losing, uh, you have four hits to get through this you know, racing section. And I would lose a hit straight up because the very first thing you do is you have to press the ZR button to open the gate. And I'm like, why can't I open this gate? I'm pressing ZR. It says ZR. Uh, so if I, I find lack of instructions a bit frustrating. I think it could be clearer. And same with the, the boss battles. Um, they seem to be more based on luck than anything. You know, you've kind of got your motorbike, you're riding around. There's this little kind of robots chasing you, which blow up. There's a, a boss, obviously, you've got to take down. It's just, there's, it's just random. <laughs> you can kind of knock down rocks to get health, uh, and it's just, it's not clear though that you can do that. It's not clear how to go about completing the level. I think is the worst part. You know, if it was more like a platformers are a bit easier, I suppose, because you know you have to jump on a platform, you have to defeat an enemy, you have to avoid spikes, whatever it is. This is a very different style. And because it's also two styles in one, I think that makes it a little more challenging. So, right. yeah, but I completely agree. It's very hard to, to to balance a review when you when you think, oh, is it just me? Am I really bad? And at first I thought I was. Uh, and when I got through the first racing section, I did feel like, yes, I finally achieved something and that was great. <laughs> uh, and then you kind of, I thought, oh, this is nice. I get a bit of a, I don't have to do another racing section straight away. I get to do a boss fight, which is cool. Everyone likes a good boss fight. But that took even longer. That took way more goes than even the race did. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's like it's really really tough. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the only one who wrestles with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I want to. I don't like giving bad reviews, and it it'll get a mediocre review probably. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, then you take into account how it looks and how it sounds. And to be honest, the soundtrack is probably the best part of this game. It's It's got a pretty good soundtrack, I think. Even when you turn yeah. it on, it says, hey, for the best experience, play this with headphones. And I did that. I grabbed my good headphones and put them on because I'm like, eh. It's, I thought it was a shooter when I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, it's like a shooter on a motorbike. It's not really a shooter. Um, but it does have those, you know, in shooters, uh, like joystick shooters, you kind of have that beat it seems to always be accompanied with some sort of synth soundtrack with a good beat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. know the, I know the, the sound. Yes. It's like that. It's, it's a shooter soundtrack, I would say. <laughs> so, and it's pretty good. I do like the soundtrack. It, it works. Uh, and there's some voice work that's kind of okay. And the, the cutscenes are pretty good, like animation wise. So there's some positive elements to it. I think it just falls a bit flat in some of its, gameplay uh, mechanics and just overall lack of instruction is the is probably the downfall for this one Uh, and also it's not cheap it's uh it's not not super expensive or anything but it's not like a five dollar or ten dollar game it's i think it's twenty dollars which it's not expensive but it's for what it is it's not a super long game either although having said that if you're going to die a hundred times i suppose that does increase the longevity. I can't see a lot of people doing that. I can't see a lot of people getting through the fight. I think there's five boss fights to go through. Um, you have to be really, really dedicated and persistent. But, hey, maybe it will take you a year. Maybe you'll pick it up after three months and go, hey, give that game another crack and you'll maybe do it. I don't know. I don't know. I need more opinions on this, I think. So. <laughs> well, they'll be out there, I'm sure. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that brings us to the end of the show for this week. Did you have any closing comments for us, Kirk? Uh, not really, except that, uh, um, oh, well, you, you know, the magazine. You, mm-hmm. If you haven't subscribed to the magazine, go ahead and do that. We, we mm. got our first copies. It Mine arrived this week, and nice. I'm, I'm quite thrilled with it. And everyone I've shown it to has been impressed. So That's so cool. It's, it's good. And, you know, I do want to say one thing about the magazine, something mm-hmm. that didn't occur to me until I actually had it versus like, say, just reading reviews, for mm-hmm. example, on, on the web. 
because um, of course the magazines they're later. These games have been out for a bit. The magazine, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's it's stuff that we've we've published recently. But the great thing about a magazine is after you read one, all you got to do to get to the next game is turn a page. Yeah. So you end up reading about things you normally wouldn't because the internet, you're constantly distracted by mm-hmm. all kinds of things that are moving it around. So you got the magazine and you're just discovering things from front to back games that you hadn't even considered. So as I'm flipping through, I'm reading reviews because um, I, I, I don't read every review. We have, we have a, a crew of editors for Pure Nintendo, so mm. I'm, I'm not checking out every single one that gets published. But the magazine, I can because it's all right there back to back. So I'm mm. reading about these. I'm discovering things that I otherwise wouldn't have. And I think that's my favorite thing about having a print magazine that I love that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I do miss, I miss that. You know, I've spoken before about growing up in the 90s and having lots of different gaming magazines. And that's what we're trying to do is bring back that that feeling of being able to just leaf through a magazine and read things you wouldn't normally read. And that's mm-hmm. that's a great analogy. Is it an analogy? It's not an analogy. It's a great, um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll go with analogy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Definitions of words change all the time. You've started this one down a new track. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe I'm a writer sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> there are so many words to know. So, <laughs> so, so many. English, English is hard. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to mess up now and again. I I forgot the name of a game and the main character of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It actually just came back to me. It's Noah. So we've oh, all yeah. made these mistakes. <laughs> the pressures of recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. And if you do want to subscribe to the magazine, we're working on our next issue already. It'll be out sometime in June, I believe, at this stage. Uh, so you can head over to patreon.com slash Nintendo. We would love your support. And thank you so much, Kirk, for joining me today and having this uh, robust conversation about all things Nintendo for the week. Oh, absolutely. Um, always, always a fun time. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Please, as I said, like, subscribe, uh, rate us, comment, whatever you want to do. We would love your support. And we'll be back next week with much more. 